there were there was a lot that happened this week. Uh, one thing was that I saw my first crocus of the year. And the first crocus is always worth noting. I didn't realize that when I first moved to the Midwest. Uh, I came from a place where camellias bloom in December and winter was only one month long. Uh, but after living in the Midwest for a few years, I realized how important that crocus was. That it's a treasure and a promise. It's a little balloon of color rising up from the grass after a long winter. And they're a reminder of the unique, unique way that something beautiful can surprise us, no matter how familiar and settled and expected that beauty is. And as I stood on the sidewalk gaping at my neighbor's crocuses this week, I thought about what we were doing a year ago when our Lenten theme was the slow faith movement. When we spent Lent thinking about how we root deeply into our neighborhoods, how we take in the slow and subtle changes of spring over the 40 days of Lent. And just like Trevor's Wombat today, over those weeks of Lent last year, uh, we thought about a different animal each week an animal that lived in Washtenaw County. And while Trevor talked about sleek, lovable animals, uh, he talked about dogs and deer and cardinals, I somehow spent three weeks talking about creepy crawlies, fireflies and bees and salamanders. And I'm thinking about the slow faith movement and what that might speak into the next few weeks ahead as we spend more time at home, shrinking our spheres with fewer human connections, our slow faith movement rises to the surface again as our circles grow smaller, as we now have the time and the space, if not by choice, to notice the details of our neighborhoods in new ways. The crocuses, and then the unfolding of the hyacinths and daffodils that will follow. The cardinals that have been with us all winter, growing brighter now. The salamanders that will appear soon on leaves okay, and in puddles. The return of the egrets and resurgence of the herons. The dazzling change of season day by day. This year, when the worship committee chose the Lent theme of journeying together, we were imagining the physical journey that we would make to Greenwood as our new home. And there's an irony to that now, that our journey has turned into a journey of staying in place, of working very hard not to go forward so that we can protect each other from illness. And it was partly that sense of irony that drew me to this passage in Proverbs. From verse one, the plans of your heart are your own, but God decides the outcome. This passage is so relevant that it hurts. We plan, God directs. The words of rulers are as powerful as oracles, and so their mouths must never betray justice. Arrogance precedes disaster. Pride goes before a fall. This is what we love about Proverbs. 
when things are going well, these phrases sound like cheers, sound like affirmations. And when things are challenging, they sound different. They sound harder. They sound like discouragement. And then every once in a while, there's something in the proverb that just makes me laugh. Beware of trickery from the eye winker. Or the wonderful uh, verse from Proverbs 25 about uh, eating honey only until you're seated or else you'll get a stomach ache. If you need something to do this week, Proverbs is a good read. <laughs> but it was the very last verse of this passage of Proverbs 16 that really struck me. You may roll the dice, but God decides the outcome. And this moment that we're in now feels like a dice roll. More than anything, a pandemic reminds us that the outcome is not ours to decide. And yet, Proverbs reminds us over and over again that there are ways we can work alongside God, no matter what comes, to make our lives more secure and more abundant for our neighbors. To go about with business as usual, knowing what we know now about the coronavirus is a very risky roll of the dice. To change everything about our daily routine, to shift all of our habits so quickly, it doesn't guarantee an outcome, but it moves us with the grain of the universe. It's a way of moving with humility of recognizing our own smallness, of not demanding the miraculous from God because our daily lives are somehow worthy of exceptionalism in the face of germ theory. We can't say for sure what will happen next, but we know that arrogance precedes disaster and that we are on this journey that we didn't expect to take that we weren't prepared to take. No one planned their first quarter of the year around pandemic. And the prospect of these next few weeks is daunting largely, I think, because we feel unprepared. And so we feel that lack of preparation by overstocking supplies and then wondering what we'll do with them. We've never done this before. It sounds scary and even worse, we aren't sure if it will work or how much of a difference it will make. And if it really is successful, we will know by our total boredom over the next few weeks. We will know that our social distancing and voluntary limit inter limited interactions will be successful if nothing happens, if the curve flattens boringly, if the most interesting thing we remember about these weeks are toilet paper memes. There is something inherently dull about what lies ahead. And the one thing we are not prepared for in our overbooked and overstimulated lives is dullness. But when I look around, when I see the crocuses blooming, I also believe that we have prepared for this. We are prepared.
What we have done over the last few years in the transition conversations, in the decision to bring in a co-pastor model, in the slow faith movement that we committed to, in the meals we've prepared for each other and the cards we've sent and the ways we've checked in with each other over the last few years, in the creative and absurd skits so many of you created at Camp Amigo, in the ways each of you have shown up again and again to be community. We're prepared for the plot twists. We're prepared to be derailed. We're prepared to notice the painful details of each other's lives that emerge slowly and with great gentleness and encouragement. To notice more of each other. To be more present with each other in more creative ways. It won't be easy. It won't be fun most of the time. But I think this community is very good at making things fun. I think we will make the most of it. I believe we'll find creative ways to check in with each other, ways to notice and attend to each other, and when we come out on the other side of this, when we finally gather in person, we will feel even closer to each other than we do now. And I look forward to these weeks because we're doing it together in this community. And I believe in this community. I believe in our collective faith. I believe in the power of the slow faith movement.